Well, two weeks ago, we were in 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, I know you've slept a few times since then, but uh, some of you may remember some of the things we talked about two weeks ago. We're going to go back there today, so if you have a Bible with you, you have your, your, your device or your phone, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. We talked a little bit about how to grow in 2022. What does it look like for us to grow in 2022? And we looked at a list of qualities, Peter calls them qualities in 2 Peter chapter 1, eight qualities that he says we need to have active in our lives. And this is what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, which is the first quality, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And two weeks ago, I asked you to think through this list of eight qualities that Peter gives us, and to ask the Lord if there maybe would be one or two of these qualities that you don't really have active in your life, that that you would like to see active in your life. And I, I want to remind you today that anytime we talk about growing in godly qualities in our life, we're talking not just about you making effort to grow. We're talking about a collaboration between you and the Holy Spirit working inside of you. Because it's actually the Holy Spirit that grows these things inside of you. You can make effort to do them. You can make effort to change. You can make effort to live a more godly life. But you need the Holy Spirit's help to draw you more towards Christ and to draw you more towards Christ-likeness. This list that Peter gives us in 2 Peter chapter 1 is very similar to a list that Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 5 that he refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you may be familiar with this list. I want to read it together in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. This is what Paul says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So if you're paying attention this morning, you'll see that Paul's list from Galatians chapter 5 and Peter's list from 2 Peter chapter 1 have a lot of overlap, and I think there's really good reason for that. It's because neither of these lists are complete in themselves, and really it would be accurate to call both of these lists fruit of the Spirit. These are, these are things that the Spirit grows in you. Now, it's interesting to me that when Paul called these the fruit of the Spirit under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he didn't call them the fruit of humanity. He didn't call this list of things the fruit of good people. He didn't even call them the fruit of Christians. He said they're the fruit of the Spirit because, again, it's the Spirit that grows these fruit in your life. So now, Peter, jumping back to 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter lists these eight qualities where he says, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. This is what he says following that immediately in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. He says, for if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that I want us to talk about this morning is the fact that we must experience increasing Christ-likeness. 
In your life and mine, we have a responsibility to experience increasing Christ-likeness. So Peter says, not just do you need to have these qualities active in your life, he said, if these qualities are yours and they are increasing. Well, that adds another layer of complication to our Christian life. I can't just say, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a person of knowledge. No, your knowledge needs to be increasing. I'm a person of joy. No, your joy needs to be increasing. I'm a person of steadfastness. Well, that's great, but your steadfastness needs to be increasing, Peter says. So what's another word for increasing? Growth. And I said this is about how to grow in 2022. So Peter gives us some insight into how to grow by increasing in these qualities in our life. Every single one of us is on a journey of growth. Have you figured that out yet in your relationship with the Lord? We are all on a journey of growth. God does not want you to stay static in your Christian life. He doesn't want you to stay in the same place. Every single one of us now are on on a journey, and we're all in a different place on the journey with God, and that is totally okay. It's actually to be expected. What I'm more concerned about this morning than where you are on the journey is where you're going on the journey. I don't know about you, but I have, uh, from time to time in my life, experienced Christians who have been saved a long time, but a long time ago, they stopped growing in their relationship with the Lord. And at the same time, I have met people who are brand new Christians. They are brand new to faith in Jesus Christ and they're aggressively moving towards him. They're so excited. They're so pumped up about this relationship with the Lord. They, they're like a sponge. They're soaking it all up. They just can't get enough of it. So what I wanna tell you this morning is let's be people who are sponges when it comes to our relationship with God. Let's soak it all up. Let's aggressively pursue the Lord. Don't ever get static. Don't ever fizzle out in your relationship with the Lord. Don't ever get to a certain point in your journey. Don't ever get to that last. Some of you have served Christ for a long time. I'm challenging you this morning. Don't get to the last leg of the race and peter out. Don't, don't get to the last stage of your journey and fizzle out or get stuck. Move toward God consistently. Let pursuit of, the pursuit of Christ be the thing that is constantly in front of you in your life, that you're aggressively pursuing him. And as you're on this journey with the Lord, you'll find very quickly that um, as, you, as you go, what the scripture says, from glory to glory, as you come closer and closer into your relationship with the Lord, you're constantly having to let go of bad things and grab onto good things. Have you ever realized this? The Spirit of God is constantly challenging us in our life to let go of the bad and grab a hold of the good. When I think about that, I think of these old movies with Tarzan in them. You ever seen one of those movies of Tarzan where he's swinging through the jungle and he's swinging on a vine, but he gets to a point where he's at the top of his arc and what does he have to do? He has to let go and he has to grab a new vine and he swings and he swings through the jungle. And that's how he gets from place to place, by swinging. He can never get any place if he didn't let go of what he had. And that's kind of like the Christian life. We constantly got to be letting go of the bad, letting go of the old things, letting go of the things that are not useful anymore for our Christian life and grabbing a hold of the new things. And the reason we have to let go of some things is because not everything in you can go to where God wants to take you. And we have to grab onto new things 
Because there's places that God is taking you in your life and there, there's places that God desires for you to go on your journey with him that will require things of you that you don't have in you yet. So you gotta constantly, constantly be letting go of the old and grabbing a hold of the new. Now my question for you a couple of weeks ago was do you have these qualities in your life? Do you have godliness? Do you have virtue? Do you have steadfastness? But the question today is we're gonna ratchet it up a notch, and the question is, are they increasing in your life? Are you increasing in virtue? Are you increasing in joy? Are you increasing in peace and in kindness and in goodness? And, and if you identify areas in your life, and if I identify areas in my life where I feel like I could use some growth and maybe I'm stuck and I'm not growing in the way that I want. Today is a great day to identify that and to make a plan for growth. If you're stuck in an area in your Christian life, God's not mad at you, but he does want you to grow. And that's what the word is challenging us to do today. So I wanna encourage you, hey, if you're stuck in an area of your life, if you say, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with self-control, I want more self-control, but I, I'm just struggling in a certain area. Or, you know, I, I wanna be a joyful person, but I'm just struggling, I, I'm, I'm not feeling joyful. I wanna encourage you today to take a step, do something to grow in this area. Maybe one of the things you could do is identify a brother and sister in Christ who may be in this room today that is somebody that is growing in that area and you admire that about them and you could go to them and say, you know what, I notice you are a person of joy and I, I want to be a person of joy that I just, I'm not feeling it, I'm struggling with it. Could, could I spend a few minutes talking to you about where you get your joy? Or, or maybe you identify somebody in this room that is especially loving and you admire the way that they love people. And you could go to them and say, you know, would you help me become a more loving person? I just want to spend a little bit of time around you. And you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. As we get with brothers and sisters in Christ, they can sharpen us and help make us better. So the first thing is we need to be increasing in our, our Christ-likeness. The second thing today that I want us to focus on is that Peter says the reward of increasing Christ-likeness is effectiveness and fruitfulness. So let's go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, and I want us to read this verse together again. This is what Peter says. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, what do they do? They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So increasing in these qualities makes you an effective and fruitful Christian. Growing towards Christ doesn't always mean your life will get better. It doesn't mean everything will always go well for you. Now, sometimes it might, but that's, that's not the guarantee for a growing Christian. The guarantee from God's word is, as I grow toward Christ, and as I am increasing in these qualities, I actually become a more effective and fruitful member of the kingdom of God. That's the guarantee for the Christian life. So the promise that God's word gives us for the believer is not that if we come to Christ and we're growing in him, we'll have fame and fortune and everything will go right in our family and we'll have great health all the time and God will give us great influence. That's not the promise for the growing believer. The promise that God gives us and his word gives us is that if we will be growing in these qualities, we will have kingdom fruitfulness. And I don't know about you, 
But I don't know that there's anything better that I could have said of me than John was fruitful for the kingdom of God. And that's what I want you to have said of you at the end of your life, that you were were fruitful and you were effective for the kingdom of God. So if we're gonna be effective and fruitful, we have to have these qualities growing in our life. Well, one of the questions that brings up to me immediately is, what does it look like to be effective and fruitful in God's kingdom? Well, there's some of these things that you probably know just innately as a believer who's been coming to church and growing in your relationship with God uh, there's, there's some things you probably think, well, I kind of have an idea of what it means to be effective and fruitful in the kingdom of God. This is, this is how I think we ought to judge our effectiveness and fruitfulness, though. Not in are we attending church faithfully. See, attending church faithfully doesn't make you effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God. Coming to a prayer service doesn't make you necessarily uh, effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God. Even getting up and reading your Bible every morning and spending time with Jesus isn't necessarily going to make you effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God. We have to measure our kingdom effectiveness and fruitfulness by what the king of the kingdom says he wants to have accomplished in the world and in our lives. You understand that? My my kingdom effectiveness isn't judged according to my own desires and my own standards. My kingdom effectiveness has to be measured against what the king of the kingdom wants accomplished. And the king of the kingdom is Jesus. So what does Jesus say he wants done? Well, he says he wants us to live according to his word. So part of of being effective is living according to his word. He says he wants us to be baptized in the spirit and to operate in the spirit. That's part of what his word tells us. He wants us to worship with the saints and he wants us to gather with the believers and love people that are in the church. And you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I'm actually good at all. I'm really good at that stuff. I've been doing that stuff for a long time. And that's actually just the beginning of what the king says he wants accomplished in his kingdom. Here's the other thing that that I think the king wants accomplished in his kingdom that I would like for us as a church to really pay attention to as we move into 2022. The king of the kingdom doesn't just want us to come to church and doesn't just want us to be a part of the body of Christ, doesn't just want us to be full of the spirit and give money in the offering and, and do those kinds of activities. In 2 Peter 3, 9, we get a little insight into what the king wants and what his desires are, where it says this, that the king is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you've wondered, what is the, what is the king wanting to do in our world? He's wanting everybody in the world to come to repentance. So my question for you is, are the activities of your life being effective and fruitful to accomplish that which the king wants done in the world? that everybody would come to repentance and that nobody would perish. In Matthew 28, 19, he says it like this. It would be a very familiar passage to many of you. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's what the king wants done in the world. So my question for you again is, is, is your life being effective and fruitful when measured up against what the king says he wants done? Is your life being used to draw people to Christ? Matthew five sixteen, Jesus says this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Does the outcome of your life draw people to, to the father? It should, if your life is being effective and fruitful for the kingdom. Remember, the purpose of these qualities growing in our lives 
the love and the brotherly affection and the steadfastness and the faith and the virtue and the self-control and the goodness and, and the godliness and all of that, the, the purpose of those things growing in our life is not so that you can have a better life, but so that you can grow closer to Jesus and therefore become more effective in the work that the king wants us to do. The third thing I wanna share with you this morning very simply is this, that I believe what Second Peter Chapter one tells us is that we have to fight the urge and the temptation to stay here in our life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just define for you what here means. But Peter says some very interesting things here in these next couple of verses that help us to know that we've gotta constantly be pushing, we gotta be constantly growing in our relationship with the Lord. We can't ever stop growing if we're men and women of God. Listen to what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. After he lists all these qualities out and he says we must be increasing in them, he says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So what Peter does here is he gives the reader, a warning. And anytime you hear a warning in scripture, your ears ought to perk up and you gotta stop and say, okay, wait a minute. What is the author trying to say to us? Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. What Peter tells us is that if we are not growing in these qualities in our life, if we are not partnering with the Holy Spirit to take strides in these areas in our life, it's very easy for the believer in Jesus to contract a couple of very serious diseases. Now, you may have never heard it put this way before, but did you know that as a believer in Jesus, if you're not careful, you can contract very serious diseases? I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about the cold or the flu. I'm not talking about cancer or anything else that could affect your, your physical body. Listen to what Peter says here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. He says that the two very serious diseases that the believer can contract if we're not growing in these areas and not growing in these qualities are amnesia and myopia. Amnesia and myopia, here's what I mean by that. Amnesia is a disease that causes you to forget your past. Look at what Peter says in verse nine, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. You know how dangerous it is to forget how Jesus saved you? Do you know how dangerous it is when you forget who you used to be and what Jesus has saved you from? Do you know how dangerous it is to lose sight of the fact that you could have, your life could have ended up totally different? Some of you, you've told me your story and I know some things about you because you shared it with me that you were on the right track. You were living for the devil. You were living for the world. You were doing your own thing and Jesus intervened in your life and radically saved you. Do you know how dangerous it is to forget where you've come from? And Peter says, if you're not careful, you can develop a bout of amnesia where you forget that you were cleansed from your former sins. And the reason it's so dangerous is because if, if I will stay in a place where I remember where God brought me from, or I remember what God saved me from, it gives me perspective to help me to know how to keep growing in my relationship with him. 
Check out what Paul says in Ephesians chapter two about this very same thing. He says, remember, he writes to the Ephesian church, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and you were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so you have Peter and Paul both in their own unique ways telling us, don't get amnesia. Don't forget what God has saved you from. Because if you forget what God has saved you from, you end up becoming lazy in your spiritual growth and you stop growing. Because part of the motivation for our spiritual growth is remembering what God has saved me from and me making effort to become more like the one who saved me out of that mess. Don't forget, don't get amnesia, Peter says. On the other hand, Peter says there's another disease we need to avoid, and that is myopia. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about here because you have myopia physically. You have myopia. Look at what he says in verse 9. He says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Myopia is nearsightedness. It's the inability to see things that are far away. One day I was sitting in the car by myself waiting on somebody, uh, probably Lynette or one of the kids, and and I was sitting there, and I remember it was at night, and I was just bored. I was bored. I had looked at everything on my phone that there was to look at. You know, all those things that you do when you're bored, you're by yourself, you you occupy your time. I was thinking about things and I had run out of things to think about. So I was sitting in the car there in a parking lot and I looked down in the car and in the console were my wife's glasses. Now she doesn't wear glasses all the time, but she has these glasses that she wears when she drives sometimes. And uh, just out of sheer boredom, I picked up her glasses. And let me say this first. I've been blessed with great eyesight, and I'm thankful for that. Whenever I see people wearing glasses or in the past have, have seen people, you know, putting in contacts or talking about how their, their eyes are drying out from their contacts or they had a contact pop out or whatever, I just kind of had this smug little thought inside of me like, Lord, just thank you that you gave me great eyesight. You know, 20-20 vision. That's, that, that's what you gave me, Lord, 20-20. Everything's good. All good with my eyes. Well, I'm sitting there in the car that night. And out of boredom, I pick up Lynette's glasses and I put them on. And everything became clear. (laughs) And I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. All of a sudden, things that were far away, signs that were in the parking lot far away that had been blurry before were all of a sudden clear. And I did the thing that you would normally probably do in a situation like that. I took the glasses and I went, like this, and I was raising them up and down to see the difference, because uh, I was thinking to myself, surely, surely this is not right. Well, come to find out, I went to see the eye doctor after that, and I came home with a brand new pair of glasses after that, after that uh, doctor's visit. So what I found was that I had an inability to see clearly things that were far away. Spiritually speaking, Myopia would be the inability to see where God wants you to go, to see where God is wanting to take you on your journey with him. So Peter says there's two dangerous uh, diseases that you can contract if you're not careful. You can get amnesia where you forget where God's brought you from, what he saved you from. 
And you can also get myopia where you lose sight of what God saves you to and where he's wanting to take you in your life. And we're to avoid both of those things. What happens if I get amnesia and myopia is that the only thing that I can see, if I can't see the past where I've come from and I can't see the future where God's taking me, the only thing I can see is right here in front of my face. That means I'm a slave to the moment. That means whatever's happening in the world right in front of me is the thing that is controlling my emotions. That means that the the, the things that are happening in my daily life, if I have a good day, I'm good. If I have a bad day, I'm bad because I lose sight of the fact that God has me on a journey. He's taking me from somewhere to somewhere. Do you know God's taking you from somewhere to somewhere? And the somewhere that God's taking you to isn't here. Here is a point on the journey, but it's not the destination. If you still got breath in your lungs and your heart's still beating, there's still somewhere else for you to go on your journey with the Lord. You you haven't arrived yet. You haven't become everything that God wants you to be yet. He's got you on a journey. I was thinking the other day as I was reading through the scriptures and processing through this, I was thinking about how dangerous it would be to stop in the middle of the highway. It'd be dangerous, right? I mean, you could pull up to a stop sign or a stoplight and stop and you're fine. And that's what you're supposed to do in that, in that place. But if you're on the highway, if you're out on 60 or 65 or, or Interstate 44, the last thing that you want to do is stop when you're in the middle of the highway. Why? Because that's not what the highway is designed for. The highway is designed to go fast. The, the most dangerous thing that you can do on a highway is stop. And I'm telling you this morning, the most dangerous thing you can do in your relationship with the Lord is stop. The most dangerous thing that you can do is stop growing to get to a point where you say, well, I've arrived. You know, I've, I've been serving God 50 years. Well, great for you. God's got more for you. Well, I've been serving God 70 years. Well, great. God's got more for you. And this morning is a time where I'm challenging you to ask the Lord, what else do you have for me today, Lord? So friends, I'm telling you, don't get stuck here. I'm pleading with you. Don't get stuck here. Remember where God's brought you from and think about this morning where God's wanting to take you to. This is what Peter says as he kind of rounds out this passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. He says, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. This is the verse that I actually started with a couple of weeks ago. It's a great promise from God's word. If we'll have these qualities growing in our life, we will never fall. Now, does that mean you'll never make a mistake? No. Does that mean you'll never sin? No. Does that mean that practicing these qualities, the brotherly affection, the love, the self-control, does that mean that practicing those things will save us? No. But here's what I know. If you're growing in these areas in your life, if you are actively partnering with the Holy Spirit to grow in the fruit of the Spirit and to grow in these Christ-like qualities, and even if you're a clumsy Christian like me that tends to trip in my journey with the Lord and make mistakes and sin, if you do that with a pure heart, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says that you will not fall. And that's a pretty good promise. It doesn't mean you'll never trip, but it does mean that if you trip with a pure heart as a child of God, you will stumble towards Jesus. And you know that's what Jesus wants for us. Jesus actually knows we're never gonna be perfect. But with a pure heart, 
with God's word in, in our heart, with his Holy Spirit living inside of us, it means that when we mess up, we stumble towards him. And Jesus will always catch his kids who stumble towards him. So where do, where do we go from here? What do we do? Okay, John, you've convinced me. I gotta have these qualities in my life. And, and not only do I need them in my life, but they've gotta be growing. I've gotta be increasing. I can't stop. I can't, I can't call a pause or a timeout on my relationship with the Lord. We gotta constantly be growing. What do I do next? Well, the first thing I would say is, once you know better, you have to do better. I wanna explain this a little bit, but once you know better, once you know more of what's required of you in your Christian life, you have to do better. Well, what do you mean by that, John? Well, <clears throat> I want you to look at this picture that I found the other day. This thing is called the Lola Baby Car Hammock. This is an advertisement from the 60s. For $7, you can buy a hammock to hang your baby in your car Look at what it says. Keep baby safe with a Lola baby car hammock. The safest, most comfortable car bed ever made. Now I'm gonna ask a dangerous question here. Did anybody in the room ever have a Lola baby car hammock, okay? Whew, nobody's raising their hands. Nobody wants to admit it if you did. <clears throat> Imagine somebody trying to sell one of these things today. Wouldn't work, would it? Hey, listen, when, when you have a baby today at the hospital, they will not let you leave without going to your car with you. They inspect your car seat. They wrap your baby in bubble wrap. They put a helmet on it. And, and they say, now you're ready to take this baby home from the hospital. What used to be acceptable is no longer acceptable because we have grown in our knowledge of child safety. And thank God for it. Here's what you need to know and what I need to know. As we progress in our Christian life, the Bible tells us that what was okay at one point is no longer okay as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. God's word demands something more and different from me today than it did yesterday. As I know better, as I uh, read more of God's word as the Holy Spirit reveals more of his word to me, as he invites me to go further in my relationship with him, as the Holy Spirit surfaces areas in my life where I need to grow, as I know better, I have to do better. I have a choice, once I know, I have a choice about whether I remain where I am or whether I increase in these godly qualities in my life. So I'm asking you today, now that you know better, you have to do better. You say, what do you mean? Well, <clears throat> maybe when you came in here and all the way till you breathe your last, that you had to keep growing your relationship with God all the way to the end, all the way till you breathe your last breath. Maybe you thought you get to a place where you have joy in your life and you don't need to be increasing in joy. Or you have godliness and you don't need to be increasing in godliness. But now you know, and now that you know, you gotta do better. You gotta do what God's word says now that the spirit is revealing these things to you. The second thing, that I would tell you is this, start where you are. So once you know better, you have to do better. But then the, then the thing is you have to start where you are. And you know what, here's the deal with starting where you are, with growing your relationship with the Lord. It's easy to say, John, you don't, you don't even know. I'm so far behind. 
all these other people in this room are godly people and they've served God so long and I come in here and I sit in this group and I just think I'm so far behind. All these people are so full of goodness and they're so full of the Lord's love and they love each other so well and they're full of self-control because they've lived for the Lord so long. I'm, I'm so far behind. Or there may even be somebody in the room here today and you're saying, John, you don't even know how bad I've blown it already. I'm, I'm far behind in my relationship with the Lord and I can't even see a day where I could grow in these qualities of my life because I've blown it and I'm not even sure God loves me. Friend, just start where you are. Just start where you are today. Did you know that today Amazon is the fifth most valuable com uh, company in the world? The fifth most valuable company. And I'm, I am pretty convinced that at least half their profit comes from the stuff my family buys from them, right? And the other half of their profit probably comes from the, the stuff that your family buys from them. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I see those Amazon boxes show up way too often at my door. You know, from Amazon, you can buy trinkets and you can buy pots and pans and you can buy toilet paper and you can buy food and you can buy books and you can buy clothes. You can buy anything that you want from Amazon. It gets shipped right to your door. It's amazed, a miracle. Any of you seen their new distribution center out in Republic? That place is like a small city. It's, a, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, I don't know if you follow this stuff, but Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon and who owns it, is the, uh, the second richest person in the world. I just looked up this morning how much he's worth. $170 billion. $170 billion. The second richest person in the world. Check out this picture I found of Jeff Bezos back in the 90s. This is Jeff Bezos sitting at his desk when he started Amazon. Amazon.com sprayed in spray paint on the wall of his office. He's got a junky old computer there. It's probably like one you used to have sitting in your office with all the nasty cords and everything hanging down, stuff stuck on his door. Everything great starts small. Everything great that you will do in life starts small. Amazon is huge. Started right there in that little bitty office with that little bitty computer with a little bitty spray painted sign on the wall. And now that guy's worth $170 billion and his company is worth $1.7 trillion. Everything great starts small. So if you're behind today and you say, I wanna grow in, in self-control, but I'm so far behind, man. I, you don't even know me, John. I can't control anything. I can't control my habits. I've got things that seem to spin out of control in my life. You know what? Start where you are. Just start where you are. Just ask the Lord to help you right where you are. And the last thing I would say is this, make a plan. I talked a little bit about this earlier, but find, find a godly brother or sister in Christ who can help you grow, somebody that can hold you accountable. Uh, come alongside a, a, a small group or a Bible study group that can help you grow in some of these areas. Grab a book that could help you grow in one of these areas. And of course, ask the Holy Spirit to grow these qualities in you. So once you know better, do better. Start where you are and simply make a plan to grow. God's words always challenge us to grow. I want us to be a church and I wanna be a person who grows in 2022, don't you? I don't wanna end this year the same as I started. I wanna be better. I wanna be closer to Christ. I wanna be more committed to him. I wanna be more full of his spirit. I wanna be more full of his word and I want you to be there with me. Will you do that? Will you commit to that? To growing in 2022? Well, this is how 
Peter ends in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. He ends with this verse. For in this way, if you will grow, if you will have these qualities increasing in your life, if you'll avoid amnesia and myopia, in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate prize, friends. Entrance into the kingdom of God. Entrance into eternal life with him, knowing that you're gonna live with Jesus Christ forever, that your sins are washed away, and that you get eternity with him in perfect peace, worshiping your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, free from the problems and the troubles of this world. No more tears, no more crying, no more pain. If you will live for the Lord, if you'll have these qualities growing and increasing in your life, You'll never fall, and you'll be, you'll be given entrance into his kingdom. It's the ultimate prize. It's what we're all going for. Some of you this morning have never made that decision, though. You've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus. And you hear me talking about these qualities that Peter lists, these eight different qualities, faith and virtue and self-control and goodness and brotherly affection and love. And you say, that's great. I want all those things in my life. Do I need to, Pastor John, do I need to do all those things really well and then God will love me and then God will accept me? No, you don't actually. Actually, it's the opposite. Jesus says, if we will come to him first, if we will submit our life to him first, then he will grow these other qualities in our life. And I want to talk to any of you this morning that may be thinking, Pastor John, I'm so behind in all these qualities. I want to grow. I want to be a person of growth. But the reality is you don't know Jesus. You've never submitted your life to him. That's the first step, friend. That's the first step to growth in every other area of your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray, as we close our time together? I want to talk specifically to those of you who may never have committed your life to Jesus. See, the Bible says in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us have fallen short of what it takes for us to come to God on our own. And the end result of the sin in our life is death. But Romans also tells us that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, to take the guilt and to take the shame and to take the punishment that you deserved and to take it on himself. And then he died on that cross, making a sacrifice for your sin. But three days later, God raised him from the dead to prove once and for all that even death didn't have power over him to give you hope for eternal life and a future. The Bible says that if you'll just believe that, if you'll just believe in Jesus, if you'll just believe that he is the Savior, if you'll believe that he is the Son of God and that he loves you and he wants to take your sin away and he wants to forgive you and he wants to give you eternity with him, if you'll just believe it and confess it, that means speak it out, then you'll be saved. See, being a, a person of great self-control is awesome, but that won't save you. Having great steadfastness is wonderful, but that won't save you. Even being a person who has a lot of love in your life and you're really good at loving others, that's so great, but that won't save you. There's only one way to be saved, the Bible says, and that is to believe in Jesus and surrender your life to him. And once you do that, 
God's spirit can begin to grow all of these other wonderful qualities in you, in you. But first, you have to give your life to him. So if you've never given your life to him today, but you need to, maybe you're sick and tired of doing life on your own. Maybe you've got so many problems in your life and, and, and things that you're worried and you come in here concerned about, and you know, I just need God's help today. I'm, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need a, a companion. I need a savior. I need a friend. Jesus wants to be that for you today. So if that's you, right where you are, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm just gonna ask you to do this while everybody's heads are bowed. Just raise your hand so I'll just know who you are. I just wanna pray for you. I wanna pray with you. God wants to save you today. If you've never given your heart to him, this is a great day to start. Bible says today is the day of salvation. Sure, you could wait for another day, but none of us are guaranteed another day. Today is the day of salvation. One more time, if you... If you're in here this morning, you've never committed your heart to the Lord, you've never asked Jesus to come in and forgive you of your sins and to save you, today's the day to do it. And I'm gonna pray with you today if you just raise your hand and indicate that to me. If not, I'm believing every single person in here is a child of God. Every single person is saved and on your way to heaven. Can I encourage you today? Be a person of growth this year. Don't let this year pass you by. Make sure 2022 is the year of increasing Christ-likeness for you. And as you do that, you will become more effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me today as I pray over you and bless you as we leave the service today? Father, this is a group of people who wants to grow. That's why they're in your house today. They could be anywhere else, but they're here because they wanna be growing believers in 2022. So Lord, would you draw us into increasing Christ-likeness this year? As we submit our lives to you, would you help us to become more effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God? Let, let us be people who join you on your rescue mission to see people who are far from you come to know you this year. Let us be people who don't ever judge our effectiveness and fruitfulness but by our own desires and our own measuring stick, but by the measuring stick of your word. And we give you glory for that today. And now, Lord, I pray a blessing on your people. I pray that you would go with them and that you would keep them, that your face would shine on them, that you would bring healing in areas where they need healing. Lord, that you would go before them in areas where they need the favor and the blessing of God. May this people be a blessed people as they leave your house and go out into the world this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you today. Have a great day.